0: Welcome to another episode of the Fear Your Phantom podcast. My name is Saint, and I'm Jim. Oh, you don't sound that bad,
1: Jim. No, I don't. But we did take a little bit of a break because uh, this is my post tonsillectomy voice. Uh, we're going on, I think, about a week and a couple of days, a week and a half, yeah, um, almost two weeks. Um, and I'm actually kind of surprised that I have bounced back as well as I have. Still got some residual swelling and some healing to do, but for the most part, I'm kind of uh, delightfully surprised at how crappy I don't sound. Surprise,
2: surprise, surprise,
1: And I need to start rehabbing my singing voice, because the band has rehearsals and shows coming up pretty soon. And I initially, prior to the procedure, was feeling a little bit trepidatious about my ability to bounce back and uh, be a vocalist again in as much as I was ever one to begin with. Uh, but I'm, I'm feeling a little more confident now. Um, so that's uh, hopefully going to be something that comes to pass pretty soon. How you doing? I didn't know trepidatious was a word. Is that the word? Uh, I mean, I think it is. I hope it is. Or else I just humiliated, humiliated myself in front of all of my, uh, my, my fellow writer friends.
0: Oh, I'm sure it's fine. Um, I'm great, uh, for the most part. I mean, again, we don't want to turn this into two old guys bitching about their health. and I, and I, I, i decided to make a permanent point not to do that today uh however
2: what the fuck is it now kevin
0: i went out we had an ice storm not an ice storm like a wind storm with snow and slush the other day which seemed, yeah, it's been a really shitty February kind of across the board. It was a mild
1: winter yeah. in most parts of the country, but we're getting we're, we're getting uh, the, the the balloon payments are due with interest right about now.
0: It seemed to come out of nowhere, and yeah, uh, so it was snowed pretty hard when I was up in uh, in Tacoma where I work, and uh, that was the day that T-Mobile was having all their outages. T-Mobile was having nationwide outages, so I couldn't get a phone yep. call out to save my life. I was barely getting any internet. I was bored as hell at work because I couldn't do anything. Boring. Uh, because, I mean, that's what I do at work, because I just stream shit. And, uh, so I was trying to get a hold of my family, and I found out that there was a windstorm uh, that hit down here. A little bit of snow, a little bit of rain, but mostly wind down here. And it blew uh, some branches off of the big tree in our yard. And uh, I guess uh, connected with the power lines and blew up the transformer outside of our house. Blew the transformer.
2: Stop! Stream! You disgust me.
0: Oh boy. And so, uh, and I don't know if we were directly responsible for this entire area using their power. I don't know if it just came from our power line or what and how far spread that was, but there was a lot of power outages in this area. Um, and it all seemed to be right around the same reporting time. So I don't know if we purposely killed everyone's power, but, uh, or no, I guess not purposely, but
1: You can't blame yourself for that. It's a weather incident. Just because the Transformers in your front yard, it's still municipal. Mm -hmm. You got to watch your hands of responsibility there. I wasn't you.
0: Well, see, and that's the thing, is they they sent the people out, uh, Puget Sound Energy came out and fixed it rather quickly, uh, which, you know, was surprising. They don't usually work on that kind of a uh, timetable, which was nice. Um, But they came out and they brought their saws and they cut the branches down that were the offending branches and... Uh, subsequently left them all over our lawn. And oh, how the, lovely for you. And the sidewalk, and the beginnings of the street. Uh, they left a mess. And if sort I Sort of
1: the definition of not our job.
0: Right, and so if I didn't go out there and clean that up, someone was going to trip on it, uh, and possibly sue me or my landlord or both of us. And then you would be liable for that. Right. Uh, through negligence, so... Uh, What I did is, uh, on Friday, I went out... uh, I am recording. This is a Monday. Uh, So on Friday, I went out and uh, fired up... uh, I got a a handsaw, an electric handsaw, and uh, a chainsaw. And so I fired those up, all manly-like. I felt like a real big man going out there. (laughs) Tim Allen. Power tools. But uh, cut up all these branches. I filled uh, one of the big... Uh, yard waste bins full of like the heavy, heavy shit. Like some of the branches were at least like eight inches across. I mean they were big, and uh, I had to cut those down into manageable pieces and uh, filled this bin. I mean this bin was so fucking heavy I could barely move it. Um, but uh, so got that done. Felt like super manly and. <laughs> And I uh, oh, yeah. came uh, came in, ate some dinner, went to bed. The next day, I couldn't hardly mm-hmm. move. And I have to remind myself constantly that I am not in my 20s anymore. That I am not <laughs> flexible anymore. And that overexertion is a very real problem. So Yeah,
1: I, I, I try to remind myself I'm not in my 20s anymore. And if I forget, my body makes sure to back me up and remind me I'm not in my 20s anymore.
0: So not exactly two old guys bitching about their health. It's more just the fact that I needed help. I didn't ask for help. Nobody was here to help me anyway. So I did it on my own. I could have waited for my kid to get home and I didn't. And I was just trying to get it done. Purpose driven, focused, tried to get it done. And boy, I'm, I'm it's Monday and I'm still paying the price. I'm still not quite as flexible and limber as I want to be. So on the plus side, my job is sitting in a car all day and not really moving, so... Well, I'm lucky that my
1: job is sitting at a desk all day and just moving my fingers. That's pretty much the only exertion I have to put myself through. Sure. But, you know, I, I'm getting to the point now where uh, I have a, a post-op tonsillectomy follow-up with my uh, my doctor, and he's going to want to talk about some other stuff, too. You know, like the... Um, it's not necessarily age-related, but, like, you know, he, he did want to say get some blood work done to find out if the um, the type 2 meds I'm on or actually keep my A1C down or not. We haven't done that in a couple of months. we got to do it every couple of months. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just these little things that you never thought you'd have to think about, and then all of a sudden, here they are in our 40s, and they're rearing the ugly head, and they're on the agenda. you got to talk about shit with your medical professionals.
0: It's true. Uh, don't, don't put off your mental or physical health uh, as you get yeah. older, listeners, because trust us when we say... It is important. You want to live your best life. We want you around for the foreseeable future. And I'm sure you've got others in yeah, your life I, that I, want that too.
1: I keep seeing this tweet that comes back. and In the age of the internet, obviously, a screenshot of a tweet that gets posted on Facebook is a meme. But it was uh, Tay
0: Sunday, the
1: early internet uh, sensation, he of chocolate rain.
0: Chocolate rain.
1: Some stay dry and others feel the pain.
0: Chocolate
1: rain. Um, who has kind of found this like post-secondary career as like an internet uh, pundit, and he uh, had this tweet that I keep seeing him come out saying, uh, you know, you have to listen to your body because uh, being poor is expensive, and untreated mm. toothache today is a, a root canal a year from now, um, you know, untreated nerve pain today is is a, a, you know spinal surgery two years from now,
0: that's and true.
1: Uh, that's the thing about being poor and being in pain is that they both uh, they both demand interest, so he's right about that. And yep. I know, in particular, there's this kind of movement in this country. I don't know if it's like a macho thing, or if it's like uh, uh, men aren't really allowed to have problems. Thing because anytime we complain about problems, we're reminded by people who, you know, want to blame men for everything. That um, uh, you know we live life on easy mode, and it's true. You know, but the thing is, like you and I both play a lot of video games, and even if you play video games in easy mode, doesn't mean there's not enemies. Doesn't mean there's not things you have to overcome. Uh, so, uh, you know, go to the doctor. If something is bothering you, I know healthcare in this country is a goddamn dumpster fire, and not everybody has awesome health insurance. Um, I mean, I do have awesome health insurance, and I still gotta pay a, uh, a massive amount of money for this tonsillectomy, because uh, it was the, the first thing I did in the year early on that cleared my deductible. So, <laughs> and I have co-pays and everything else. So I'll be paying for that for a while. But, you know, if something is bugging you, go get it looked at.
0: Because the end result might be way more expensive.
1: It's like anything else. You know, if your car makes a noise today and you think, no, I'm not going to pay attention to that. The yeah, chick engine light comes on, you turn the radio up. Um, shit will fail on you and it will be worse. Things do get degenerative and they don't usually get better over time. Some things do. I mean, obviously healing is a thing, but if there are, like, infections or broken bones or chronic conditions, those are things that don't heal up on their own, so you have to kind of go get them looked at. Don't ignore your health, people, or it won't ignore you. Here's
0: a dumb thing I thought about. Speaking of, of just things you notice when you get older. When did you start, and I know it can't just possibly be me, it might be me, but uh, do you have, when you go into your kitchen, you go to get something to eat, do you have a favorite fork, a favorite spoon, a favorite knife? Absolutely. Okay. I do, yes. Now, because a lot of people I know are like me. I have the remnants of like three different sets. Yeah. In addition to that, I did... Uh, some YouTube cooking videos for a while, and so I would go to like Cost Plus or wherever else, and and buy like one-off sets for photo shoots and stuff to make it look better. And so I've got certain silverware sets that I've got like one place setting of. And yeah. At what point in what age does that become a thing? Where you've got like I don't. You'll go through the drawer, you'll pick a fork up, and you go like, Yeah, no, yeah, I don't want that fork. Ew, gross. That's the one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, for me, it was uh, it's it's kind of a family thing because we just had all this cutlery that came from various sources and there right. a lot of one-off pieces, and everybody just kind of claimed a fork and that was their fork. And whenever we had a family dinner, the table settings, you, knew, you know, we always sat in the same places, and uh, you you gravitated towards your place setting because it had your fork at it. Right. And the other side of that coin is that uh, this is another meme I keep seeing come back on Facebook. Um, And I don't know why it's just the spoons, but everybody has like a favorite fork or a favorite knife. I've got several. I actually bought a couple of nice uh, steak knife sets, so forks and knives and whatever else. But spoons, for some reason, um, I don't have a favorite spoon, but I have one that I hate. Everybody has (laughs) one spoon that they hate for some reason. Spoon! Yes. That's the other side. That's like the the, the corollary to that favorite fork rule is, is you have a favorite fork and a spoon you absolutely loathe. And I don't know why that's true, too, but it is.
0: I got a couple of forks I don't like. And I think it's just because I bought some really cheap stuff. Like when I was going to, uh, doing my job out in like BFE and going like places for two weeks at a time. I'd go to like the Dollar yeah. Tree or the Walmart and get like a, a set of silverware. One of the little $5 sets or whatever. and So I didn't have to eat with plastic utensils the whole time. Yeah. And uh, so I got some of those in there. And those are really cheap and thin feeling and weird. But I definitely do have a favorite spoon. It, it, it's, it's, it's got a nice, it's thin, tapered handle. And, and for some reason, it's not as deep as some of the other spoons. And not as thick around as the other I don't know. It's it's a weird phenomenon. It is a weird phenomenon.
1: But Yeah, uh, spoon depth is a weirdly sort of unique <laughs> individual thing. Now, I wonder if I that's I like, is
0: that like an ADD thing? Is that like a... Uh, some kind of, like, autism spectrum thing. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, for
1: me, I think it's like, a, it's you know, your lips conform to certain shapes when you eat things. And also, this is an audio-only medium, but anybody who knows us uh, knows that we're men who have facial hair. No. And you have to consider mustache length when you uh, <laughs> when you go ahead and eat. Because, you know, I've seen certain dudes who have, like, that Jeff Skunk Baxter, like, mustache that hang, hangs, like, down past their bottom lip. I'm like, how in the fuck do you eat soup, bro? You it's got to be messy. Because... I keep mine pretty well trimmed. I mean, the beard I kind of keep shaped to a certain level, but the, the mustache, i got to get in with a trimmer and cut it back every other couple of days because otherwise it starts to hang down mm. over the top of my lip, and I start dragging it through, you know, everything. You know, cookie duster gets all over my food. So I have to uh, choose a spoon that is deep enough to hold what I'm trying to pick up out of the bowl with it, but not so deep that I can't actually comfortably compress my top lip into the spoon. The, the, the bottom of the thing to get the rest of the uh, the, the soup or, or cereal
0: or whatever it is out. Yeah, I've just come to realize that with facial hair, it's like, I'm going to make a mess. Soup's, soup's a catastrophe. Ice cream's a catastrophe. Yeah. Yogurt's a mess. Yep. Unless it's like the drinkable yogurt and even that gets all up in the stash. I mean... These it's, are the sacrifices we make. It's curtains, kids. Um, uh, speaking of food, I've, I've, I've been watching a lot of, like, TikTok. And, and there's, there's one guy on TikTok that I like Same to watch. Same, girl. Uh, his name is Corey B. And he's one of the most obnoxious advers- ever. And his whole, one of his whole things, his whole stick is like food hacks. Like he likes to try food hacks. Like he doesn't believe it exists. And it's like, oh, you could shove cinnamon rolls into a waffle maker and, and do this. And, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But it's like, I, I've come to realize that most food hacks are really terrible. They're terrible. Yes. They're lazy. They're terrible. There's this woman, and I don't know her name offhand, and I, I know I'm going to get dragged for this because I watch her videos all the time. But uh, she starts off every one of her videos critiquing She's critiquing food hacks. Uh, and every one of her videos starts off with, everyone's so creative.
2: Everybody's so creative.
0: And then the, she show, they show them doing the most horrific food crimes known to man. Like one of them was making a pasta dish by tossing dried noodles into a... Uh, a roasting pan That they didn't even take the paper insert out of and... I've seen her Yeah she's amazing And she and always... the reason
1: I see a lot of hers Is because I also follow a guy named Chef Reactions I love Chef Reactions I love them, One of my yeah. favorite accounts on TikTok So Absolutely. I think the algorithm knows what we want
0: Big titty goth girls and, and food porn I mean
1: Hey you know what I'm just a man after all I eat and I like ladies
0: <laughs> Indeed but it's kind of funny. I love Chef Reacts, too. That guy, and I've seen him react to a lot of the same videos that uh, this other woman's yeah, reacting to. Yeah, and I'll watch them and...
1: both because they, they seem to pick out the most egregious food crimes. You're absolutely right. Like, I've seen that one on both her channel and his channel where they just put the dry-ass macaroni into the uh, the, into the, the, pan, the yeah. aluminum roasting pan with the stickers still on the bottom of it. <laughs> and then they just dump a bunch of bullshit into it, stick in the oven and call it cooking.
0: Right, and it's like, I've just come to realize that a lot of these food hacks are just asinine. I mean, and it doesn't take a lot. I've been trying to teach my kids how to cook for years, because uh, I used to do an online cooking class, or YouTube show, called Cooking Ain't Complicated. And the whole idea behind Cooking Ain't Complicated was to demystify the cooking experience, because you got people that are like, oh, I burn water, or I couldn't cook a a bowl of ramen, or macaroni and cheese is about as, as into it as I get. And it's like, okay, but with a couple of extra steps... You can go from making shells and cheese or craft dinner, you can make what my my baby sister Katie calls affectionately Bougie Mac. Ah. We had a restaurant up here uh, called Mac and More. And the entire reason for Mac and More's being was different flavors of macaroni and cheese. uh, Whether it's like jerk chicken or barbecue pork or, you know, on and on and on. They had like Different variations every week of macaroni and cheese. I loved that place. They got shut down uh, right before COVID hit, I think. Ah, bummer. And so what they did is is they re- when they realized they weren't going to be coming back as an entity, I followed them on Facebook. I like I always like to see the specials, you know. Uh, and when they realized they weren't going to come back as an entity, they released what there was their basic bechamel sauce cheese sauce and this is a a cheese macaroni and cheese that you can do pretty much anything to like with a couple of slight modifications you can make it into anything you want jerk chicken or you know bacon mushroom and onion or whatever you want to add to it and so they got what my sister calls bougie mac and uh, it's not that much more complicated than doing shells and cheese or Something like that. And so that was the idea behind it. It was to kind of just demystify it. Make people who are like, I can boil water. Okay, well, if you can boil water, guess what else you can do? Kind of thing. So I've been trying to teach my kids how to cook for years. And it's worked. My son loves to cook now. He's, lo- he's learning new stuff. I said, hey, there is nothing better to impress a paramour than to know what you're doing in the kitchen. Quickest way that has been my experience. Man or woman, the quickest way to their heart is right through that tummy tum tum. So, that is true. I'm trying. I had to... kind
1: of a similar experience with what you're doing with your kids, too. I, 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 you were mom, teaching my kids how to think, eat? Oh, no. Yeah, I've been sneaking into your house under cover of night and dropping recipes. No, you, you are <laughs> way more qualified to do that on both levels in terms of the food and the parenting. But my, uh, my mom, I think in part because my dad grew up in a sort of post war austerity because uh, right. he uh, um, had five sisters, he was one of six kids. And this was during the time when, uh, you know, only one person was working. And my grandfather worked in a foundry. So we're not talking about having a whole lot of money lying around. And my grandmother used to make a lot of stretch recipes because it was, you know, the war when she, you know, was cooking a lot of things. So my dad liked a lot of really simple food. And my mom, um, you know, was was very early on in their, their relationship doing a lot of the cooking. And, uh My dad was kind of a picky eater because he really liked simple things. My dad was kind of the definition of a meat and potatoes kind of guy. Right. So she would try and make, you know, fancier stuff, and he just was not real hip about it. He grew to like a lot of it eventually, but I think some of that early frustration resulted in my mom saying things like, Hey, kids, if you like what I'm making, and my mom was, was, you know, still is an amazing cook. Um, Yeah, you don't earn yourself a physique like this by picking a crappy food. But um, she always said, if you like what you're eating... Whether it's like the chicken Kiev, whether it's the broccoli souffle, she used to make really, really, really good food for us growing up. And, you know, on holidays and on anniversaries and birthdays and things, you know, we like we're all kind of on our reconnaissance now. But the woman still just gets in the kitchen and just can whip shit up at the, on a dime out of nowhere. Um, but she said, if you like what you're eating, get your butt in the kitchen and learn how to make it. Because it's not fair of you to expect whoever you wind up with as a life partner to just know what your tastes are. Right. So if you like it, learn it. And so that's how I learned some of my favorite recipes. That's how I learned how to make the souffle that I love. That's how I learned how to make the pot roast that I love. And, uh, yeah. And that's also partially the reason why I never, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably get a lot of shit for this too, never really got into mac and cheese. Like, a lot of my uh, contemporaries, a lot of my classmates and people my school and my age, um... Because, very famously, if you watch any TikTok, Gen X is the uh, the latchkey generation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got lucky because my parents worked different shifts. Uh, I always had a parent at home. Um, So it wasn't like the, you know, classic Gen X as a kid example of let yourself in the house, make yourself a snack, do your homework, and then watch cartoons until your folks get home kind of thing. Um, So I had both my parents around. um, And just... My mom was, you know, uh, would come home pretty early before we got home from school and she would just, you know, learn, she would make food and I would learn how to make the food. So we never had like convenience foods. A lot of the kids I grew up with had mac and cheese and TV dinners and pot pies and things you could just kind of throw in the oven and, and, you know, or the microwave or whatever. But I was very lucky. I mean, maybe not necessarily because I'm still trying to shed all this weight (laughs) as I get older. But I um, was pretty lucky lucky, to have like a world-class chef at home, you know, one of these great home cooks. And so we always had really, really good food. And so I never developed a taste for, for things like mac and cheese because I literally never ate mac and cheese growing up. And part of that is, if you look at the uh, like the, the way that, that food breaks down in a lot of places, mac and cheese, at least the classic boxed, craft dinner-style mac and cheese, was not a huge thing here in Wisconsin because of the cheese quality we have in every other aspect right. of our culinary lives. I mean, the, the powdered, boxed cheese... Or even, like, the the foil packet liquid cheese that kind of lives its life in in whiz form, uh, which is never really a thing. Like, the only time I have ever seen Velveeta on the shelves here at any, uh, in any grocery store here in Wisconsin is right up to the Super Bowl. When everybody always brings out that, like, you know, hey, here's a quick food hack. You put some Rotel you know, chopped vegetables and uh, Velveeta in a bowl and you nuke it for two minutes and you have yourself a nice queso dip. Um... That is the only time you will ever see Velveeta on the shelves here. It's just not a thing. Although my humble hometown grocery store, a town of 10,000 people, has three different places where you can get cheese in the store. There's like the gourmet cheese section where you can get the really good cheese. There's your sort of regular everyday cheese aisle where you can get like the sliced mozzarella for sandwiches and like the, the curds and the grated stuff for pizza and tacos. And then there's a, a smaller artisanal local cheese section that's just a kiosk really like an end cap. We don't fuck around with our dairy here in the state because we are the dairy state. Right. So the powdered Dayglo orange cheese powder, you mix with milk to reconstitute it, the freeze-dried kind of pseudo cheese, just it's not a thing that people have a huge affinity for here. I understand a lot of kids grew up with that box mac and cheese because it's super easy and super cheap, and it's a comfort food for a lot of people, but I don't have that. If I make a macaroni and cheese, I do it a lot more like like, um, Mac and More does. Bougie Mac. And by the way, I love that thrift shop song. I really do. Um, (laughs) Put a pin in that. But yeah, I make it like that. I actually make a bechamel, and I put it in a casserole dish, and I got some breadcrumbs and some actual... My rule with cheese, and this is kind of an across-the-board thing, my cheese has to have started life as a solid. It's got to come <laughs> off a block, or at least shredded, or curds. It's got to be like... It can't, it can't live life as a powder or a liquid that just seems unnatural to a boy who grew up uh, who can't drive anywhere without it passing at least a dozen cow farms
0: yeah one of the cool things about doing the cooking show is I was able to uh, we have uh, Fred Myers up here is a grocery chain we have up here Kind of yeah. like your Walmart where it's got like the clothing department and the electronics department but then like a really big grocery department and uh, the ones up here uh, as of a, a few years ago started having uh, like actual cheese counters uh, which they didn't really have before I don't know, I want to say it's like five six years ago. Um, yeah. And so they actually have cheesemongers in these stores that, you know, sample your cheese and, and teach you about the cheese. And it's always some really bored or disinterested little, like, 18-year-old who probably doesn't know what the they're reading it off a card. Which, you know, yeah. I fine, it's a job. But I really discovered sure. quite a few really interesting cheeses that way. And cheeses that oh yeah I would never have eaten before. Like, there's a, there's a cheese called a port salute. Which I couldn't tell you Oh, I love about it. Cheese. It's it's the softest, beautifulest, meltiest cheese. I have it on a... I do a 50-50 uh, pork, uh, chorizo pork and uh, beef burger. Ooh. Uh, with... Uh, I put uh, hatch chilies in it. A little bit of hatch chili in there. Serve that up on a, a toasted hoagie roll with... Uh, or not a hoagie roll. God damn it. Like a toasted potato roll, I guess. With yeah. uh, a little bit of uh, garlic aioli and then melt some port salute cheese on top of that. It's absolutely phenomenal. A little arugula. It's beautiful. That sounds great.
1: It kind of reminds me, the half and half burger is a, uh, a phenomenon that doesn't get enough attention. I remember years ago when I was dating this guy who had kids, we used to watch this show, I think it was on Food Network, called Frankenfood. And, Food. and uh, they would bring these chefs in and they would do these weird fusion dishes of a couple things you wouldn't necessarily think of. And they made this uh, spaghetti burger. And you think you know what a pizza burger is, but this is interesting. They actually use cooked pasta, cooked spaghetti noodles, and mixed it into a half and half mix of a pound each of ground beef and Italian sausage. They mixed the noodles right into the burger. And then they would portion it out make these burgers, and then they would serve it on uh, garlic Texas toast with marinara and melted mozzarella. And that sounds dope as shit. Everybody's
2: so creative!
1: Yeah, I mean it's it was they called it Frankenfood. I mean it was it was set up as being like, here are some weird fucking recipes you should try. So we tried it, and it was you you think it would be gross with the noodles mixed into the meat, but it was actually really really good. The other favorite thing, uh, one of the winners on that show was a local to me uh, pub called the Wicked Hop, which is in the third ward, kind of a, a gentrified uh, converted warehouse district in Milwaukee. Ever since uh, NAFTA in the '90s, when the uh, manufacturing blew out, they had all these empty warehouses they converted into loft spaces and restaurants and. You know microbreweries. It is Milwaukee after all, and this place is kind of famous for coming up with crazy food. And they had uh, um, this is probably 10, 12 years ago, and, and now all these places kind of have variations of it. They came up with uh, with Reuben rolls, and I've seen them on a lot of menus now since then. Like a but Reuben it's an egg roll room? wrapper, yes. classic. Yeah, classic egg roll wrapper. Seen those. And it's got sauerkraut and um, and and uh, Swiss cheese and corned beef in it, and then you dip it in Thousand Island. I'd do it. Or they also, after that, came up with the gyro roll, which is the same thing. Thin sliced gyro meat with onions, uh, tomatoes, and um, some, uh, uh, what's the lettuce that they put on gyros? The, uh, I use
0: cucumber, but.
1: Uh, or, not arugula, but, you know. And then they, they dip it in like a tzatziki, like a yogurt cucumber sauce. Yeah. But that really got me thinking. You could put any goddamn thing into a, a, a an egg roll wrapper and deep fry that shit. It's probably delicious. So I have at home experimented with that idea. I did too. I made kung pao
0: chicken egg rolls.
1: I have made Italian beef egg rolls, and the Italian Ooh. beef is is a uh, a Chicago invention yeah. um, that has kind of spread nationwide into some pockets. It's real thin sliced Italian beef in like a an Italian. Um, au jus with, like, some oregano and basil and stuff, and then you put it on a big, big crusty baguette roll with, like, some mozzarella cheese, a little red sauce and Um So you take that pepperoncini, which is not... It's its like peppers, and I don't... I'm not a huge fan of peppers, but it's like a peppers, carrots, and celery, sort of almost it's a uh, mirepoix peppers instead of onions. Guardina, yeah.
0: or whatever it's called?
1: jardinera' uh, They, they giardiniera. say jardinera in uh, Chicago. In that sort of, like, um, mutated New Jersey... Uh, uh, Italian accent that turns capicola into gabagool and mozzarella into mozzarella. Gabagool, over here. Um, they make fun of that that whole Sopranos New Jersey accent. <laughs> but you put all that stuff in an egg roll wrapper too, and dip it in some ajou, and it's effing delicious. So you, there's, you know, if, if there's a sandwich you like, take the ingredients of it, wrap it up in an egg roll wrapper, and deep fry that bitch,
0: and you got yourself a brand new taste sensation. Absolutely, talk about food fusion. But uh, the last thing I kind of uh, had on my, my little nitpick list was uh there's been a lot of talk recently with Facebook and Twitter and, and all this stuff. Uh Twitter doing the verified check mark and all that and then they're not and then they are and then they're not and whatever the hell Elon's doing over there, nobody knows. But uh as anything of, that guy
1: needs it's more fucking money for doing nothing.
0: Right. Uh, but Zuckerberg announced the other day that Facebook is gonna be doing a paid verification service now too oh, for, for Facebook Christ and sake. for Instagram and it's like talk about stuff that nobody's fucking asked for, right? But that that made me start thinking about all the little nitpicks and gripes that I have with Facebook. It's like, I wouldn't pay for this service. I use it and I pay for it in my advertising eyeballs, but the fact of the matter is, is, that is not something that I would pay for. I don't need to scroll and get angry and have To pay for the privilege of it. One of the things that's really pissing me off lately. You'll see a news article. And I may have discussed this at one point or another. We've been doing this for a number of years now. But uh, as I scroll. You'll see an article talking about something like really touching and sad. Or like oh well. uh, oh, Or like uh, oh they cast a a non-binary actress in uh, The Last of Us. Isn't that great? And you'll see fucking laugh reacts. Or you'll see, like, oh, uh, you know, such a, so-and-so died uh, uh, this week of a drug overdose. There's laugh reacts. Is there anything worse than the fucking laugh react on a goddamn Facebook post? Even I mean, because it's never really used in context. Nobody ever uses it because it's a, a genuinely funny thing. It's like they use it as a freaking targeted weapon. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I've seen the know. same thing. It, it pisses me off. <laughs> you know what really grinds my gears?
1: But you know, I really don't want to turn into one of those get off my lawn old guys, but the you know, too late I, I, yeah, I, yeah, probably. I mean, there's certain things I'm never going to get upset about because obviously, in this, if you've spent any time on TikTok, and I'm not talking to you with this, but anybody who's listening, because I know you and I spend an inordinate amount of time on TikTok. I know More I than should I do. should. It's the only thing I do on the toilet anymore. Um, you know, it's become my thing. I, 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 that's how I get the juices flowing on the old commode, is I go in there and I watch some TikTok, and I just, some of this stuff would make me shit anyway. <laughs> but, uh,
0: that's nasty.
1: Yeah, it's like uh, the generational wars are a big thing on TikTok. And. What's been pissing me off about that lately is that I've noticed, and I'm not, I'm not going to engage in generational warfare, I don't believe in it, I really don't think that it's, it's a valid thing, but this, like, whole, like, we're all going to pick on the boomers, okay, they have valid criticisms, but that was not my experience, I grew up with boomer parents, but they were not raised in the sort of, uh, Victorian parenting household that turned them into, to, to terrors who, you know, uh, are the kind of people who believe that, the, the rules that they grew up with only, well, the only ones who will ever apply, um... But the the thing that gets me all all riled up about TikTok is when, if Gen X gets mentioned at all, it's only one of two contexts. Either it's a Gen Xer talking about how we were raised feral and, and how we were the latchkey kids and how we drank from the hose and all the classic stereotypes and kind of leaning into that. Or it's a millennial or a Zoomer who's lumping us in with the boomers and saying, these boomers and Gen X. I'm like, hey, you know what? Listen up. Alright, this was not my experience, because like I said, I had great parents, my mom is still amazing, and I love my dad, I give anything for another day with that guy, but at the same time, I mean, I understand that wasn't necessarily a a very common experience. I hit the parent lottery, and I fully admit that, Um, but a lot of people had a lot of legitimate complaints because of the way they were raised, because of the economic conditions that were such under the Reagan administration that by the time we came of age and began to turn into people, both of our parents had to work in order just to maintain a household, and we kind of became, we had to kind of raise ourselves, you know, uh, coming in when the streetlights came on. But it just makes me angry because, um, again, not speaking strictly for myself, but in, in a generational sense, Gen X, you and I, and people in our age group, We're the first generation to get fucked by the boomers. The the, the classic, you know, traditional stereotype of, hey, you guys set up every convenience and every comfort for yourself, and then closed the door and pulled up the ladder and drew the drawbridge after yourselves, so that every generation since has struggled. We were the first generation to not do better than our parents in a societal, mental health, or economic sense. Um... And so we were really their first victims. And again, I exclude myself from this in a lot of ways, but societally, generationally, uh, the Gen Xers were the first people. We were the ones that the last generation to believe hey, if you go to college and get an education, you'll be able to get a good job because it didn't come to pass. Hey, if you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and trim a couple of corners here and there, you can buy a house. And that didn't come to pass. Uh, By the time the Millennials and the Zoomers came along, Uh, they were able to look to us as the example of like, hey, sometimes our parents lie to us because they're working on bad information. And it's not necessarily a lie if they believe it, and I understand that, but you know, the other meme that I keep on seeing that's a screenshot of a tweet is, uh, as I age, as a Gen Xer, as I age, I really hope I don't become one of those old people that gives young people advice based on the rules that applied when I was their age. This whole idea of you know the, the joblessness crisis that's been happening since COVID and everything else about how nobody wants to work anymore and all that bullshit that they loved us about because nobody wants to be exploited anymore. And after COVID, we all realized, hey, the lies they've been telling to us about how you can't work from home, we got to come into the office because of the culture and the, the, the copier or whatever the fuck excuse they want to use. Um, a lot of the lies they told us about that shit went out the window when we realized, hey, we can work at home. Our productivity goes up. We're happier. We're healthier. Um, I know I am. My company is, is so... Uh, kind of across the board and decentralized now that if they couldn't possibly issue a back to office order if they wanted to because everybody just decided to move wherever their salary made the most sense and they were able to find a place to establish a household. So some of this, like, you know, all you need to do is uh, go there and start in the mailroom and work your way up. You just go and demand to talk to the boss and you got to get out there and pound pavement and drop resumes and it's just not the way it works anymore. But yeah. If Gen X ever gets mentioned on TikTok at all, it's either by us yeah. or in the context of uh, lumping us in with the boomers when we were actually the first victims of that whole generation. But hey, you know what? Again, I don't want to make this like it's too personal for me because it just doesn't apply to my situation, but they have a point in a lot of ways. I'll just say that much.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Something about social media just draws me less and less these days. However, same being as how we use social media... To advertise this show, don't just click off right away, because we do want you to interact. Now, keep in mind, of course, we always say that the Feel Your Phantom podcast is a two-way conduit of conversation between us and you, uh, not just us and each other. I mean, We could talk to each other all day long, but we're here to talk to you. And so what we want to do is we want to hear from you, and there's a couple of ways you can do that. For now, social media is the best possible avenue for that. You can reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash fandom. You can hit us up in our email, which is FuelYourFandom at gmail.com.
1: And as always, the backup email is FYFTalentBooking at gmail.com. It's where you send show ideas, guest suggestions, especially if they're yourself and the ever-present pie recipes. Yes. And if you want to find us on Instagram, we're at @feelyourfandom. We're on what's left of Twitter at fuel underscore your... And you can find us wherever you find fine podcasts on Stitcher, on iHeartRadio, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible, Spotify, anywhere you want to go. Chances are we're there. And however you find us and cram us in your ear holes, we are happy and grateful that you do.
0: Absolutely we are. Now, uh, okay. (laughs) I got to preface this conversation because this topic is really strange. It's something that came to me just randomly as I was... Surf it around on YouTube, as you do. As one does. Jim and I are both musicians, and we know a lot of you out there are really keen on music. Music's a really big part of everyday life. We've Uh, talked a lot about it. We talk a lot about it. We're going to continue to talk a lot about it. Uh, We've talked specifically about cover music, in in, in fact, and and that's kind of uh, the aspect that I want to take things today, is because uh, there was a particular cover floating around on YouTube that caught my attention. Uh, and not necessarily in a good way. It was uh, a cover song of Outcast's uh, I'm Sorry, Miss Jackson
2: my baby is drama mama don't like me she doin' things like having a voice come from her neighborhood to the studio trying to fight me she need to get a get an American pie and take her right out that's my house I disconnect the cable and turn the lights out and let her know her grandchild is a baby and not a paycheck private school daycare she has medical bills I pay that I love your mom and everything See, I ain't on one who lay down you want to rip you up start a custody war my lawyer stay down
0: I found out a rabbit hole thinking about all this stuff because I thought for a long time that that terrible cover of uh I'm sorry Ms. Jackson was done by kids Bop, but it was done by that Maddie B. Raps kid. And it's terrible, and it's awful, and it it's sounds terrible. like this. Never
2: been to make your doctor cry. I apologize a trillion times. My lady's from my mama don't like me. She doing things like having a boy come to the studio trying to fight me. She need to get a piece of the American pie. This is my house. I disconnect the cable and turn the lights out and let her know her daughter is a lady and not a paycheck. bracelets, movies, Havaji girl. I paid that. I love you mom and the yeah, I know wonder trip now. do you want to rip me up start a war between us my brother stay. down.
0: And now we had to listen to it so now you get to listen to part of it. So now it's stuck in your ears like it's stuck in our ears, but I really came across this phenomena of inappropriate song transfers from kids bop that were just of songs that should not be sung or, or done by kids. And whether it's the content or, or whether it's like the sexual nature of these songs or uh, the depression and heartbreak behind these songs, it's stuff that, you know, your typical tween wouldn't have any kind of access to that kind of emotional level. Uh, not, not typical, I can't say for 100%, but it, it struck me as weird that this is a, a, a market. And so and then of course you have the actual because it was kids bopping uh, that I got into this conversation about we wanted to talk about uh, here's their version of outcasts hey Ya. you think you've got it
2: Be
0: here. Yeah, that's terrible. It's absolutely oh, terrible. Jesus. And 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 Jim mentioned something off air. We were talking about it, and he, and he mentioned that it sounds just like they're using the karaoke backing tracks for these, and that's that's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. Because the the, the backing vocal or the backing tracks are boring. There's no life to them. It's just kind of like formulaic. Um, when you got someone like Weird Al, you're used to hearing a parody is to go and and do like. Weird Al does like a full balls to the wall cover, but his stuff is phenomenal. You could tell the heart yeah. and love and attention to detail was there. This stuff just feels phoned in. And then I guess they're like on I mean, Kids Bop 852 I can, now. I don't know how many albums they've got now. I can
1: understand research. the idea behind the Kids Bop. I can understand there's a market for that. In a world where Baby Shark is the most <laughs> streamed YouTube video in history. You know, passing up uh, uh, Gangnam Style and Justin Bieber's Baby and Despacito and all these other champions with with literally billions of of, of plays, and uh, Baby Shark popped along. And the reason being, I mean, I have a a nephew who's got a young son who's who's going to turn I think four next year. I think he's three, three now. Um, he loves that stuff. He loves Coco Melon and he loves all that uh, you know ba- little baby bum bum stuff and the the kids stuff. And that's you know if you. What did I read the other day? Again, somebody on Facebook was like, um, or TikTok was like, look, I'm a musician. I've been a musician for a while. This is somebody who started in the 90s and had like a middling amount of of, uh, success in the alternative rock world. And he said, you know, I do okay. um, But the fact that like my uh, my son, all he wants to listen to is literally a song called like the Poopy Song by Poop Man. And I look at this and it's got 37 billion views on YouTube or something like that. (laughs) And it's like... I went into the wrong industry. if, right. if I could have been Raffi or if I could have been the Wiggles or something Fruit salad, yummy, yummy. You know, just with the money is in streams now, if the recording industry has been broken down to ineffectual money management and live shows are drying up because of COVID or whatever it is, um, the money's in streaming, but you gotta have billions of streams to make any kind of money right, right? because they pay you pennies. Fractions of pennies in some st- some cases, so it's, this is kind of where the money is, I guess.
0: I guess, and, and it's I didn't realize Kids Bop was as big a thing as I, as it is. Uh, I didn't realize they had like they've got like almost half half a hundred or 50, 60 albums now. I don't know. I don't know. They've got a lot. Well, I was going kind of
1: a, a, a somewhat sinister undercurrent of what somebody think of the children to all of that. Like it's it's vaguely religious, which kind of like. Wrinkles my nose up a little bit because organized religion, I'm just not a fan of it for reasons we don't need to go into. We'll be here all day. But this idea of like, won't somebody think of the children? And we have to sanitize things that are popular. Now, again, like going back to that Gen X being feral thing, like we grew up with with no censorship on our music. If something was salacious or questionable, um, you couldn't obviously swear on the radio, but there were adult themes, things like, you know, like you talked about, like that you need to have a certain amount of emotional intelligence to handle, but you know, they're the conservatives are back to banning books now if they talk about things like, hey, guess what? People of color exist. Hey, guess what? LGBTQ plus people exist. Hey, guess what? People who don't look, think, love and act like you exist, and we gotta shield the kids from that, right? because otherwise they can start identifying as cats and shitting in a litter box at school. First of all, fuck you. Uh, (laughs) Second, no. And third, like, we didn't have that. The other thing that I keep seeing come back online a lot is like This banning books idea, when we were kids, we went right from Encyclopedia Brown to Flowers in the Attic because they were just happy we were reading. And then we went back to, like, the the young adult stuff, which didn't have a category then but was still very much in existence. So we kind of got a much more well-rounded emotional education just through the permeation of pop culture. But this idea now that we got to protect the kids from icky feelings or naughty words is, I think, the entire raison d'etre for why this fucking thing even exists to begin with. And it's a little sinister.
0: It is, but I mean, I get it a little bit. On um, the one hand, as I get wanting to, to uh, form a connection with music, I, I've, I've always been uh, the kind of guy that wants to form a connection to music, wants my children to yeah. form a connection to music, but I don't want my children to form a connection to, like, like you said, a safety sanitized version of music. I don't want them to get a misunderstanding or a misrepresentation of what these songs are actually about yeah like for instance now the next song i want to talk about again i went down this whole horrible rabbit hole with kids bop just because i found it amusing at first and and the real sinister undertones of it didn't start coming out until i was already it's like one of those wikipedia searches you go down and you all of a sudden have 13,000 tabs open and you don't know where the music's coming from yeah it's one of those but um there's a whole lot of these songs and I went down an encyclopedic list of these songs from start to finish on a on a Kids Bop wiki. And it alphabetized them by uh artist. So I was able to pull from artists. And so I pulled a lot of the artists that I understood or that I knew. But there's tons of artists. There's a Cardi B and, and Kesha and and all of these modern pop artists that really yeah. kids of that age don't have any kind of business listening to it. I mean, I say that as a parent who doesn't censor what my kids listen to. I just want to be able to explain context, but that's the key. Context is key here. because And then we got a phenomenon that I've noticed is they take a lot of the sexual content out of these songs and try, try to spin it to, like, dancing. Like going to a school dance or whatever it is. So a lot of the sexual content gets maneuvered into uh, dance floor antics. Um, But, like, uh, the next one I wanted to talk about was uh, Local Boy to Where I Live, Macklemore. Made it big a number of years ago with a song called Thrift Shop, which, if you don't know it, sounds like this.
2: Hella deep,
0: headed to the mezzanine Dressed
2: in all pink Except my gator shoes Those are green oh. drapes And a leopard mink Girls standing next to me Probably should have washed this Smells like R. Kelly's sheets Piss. But shit, it was 99 cents I get coppin' it washing it About to go and get some compliments
0: So Macklemore's Thrift Shop Is huge around here They did a kids Bob version of that song Now the, the interesting part for me Was right from the jump From the jump The the words, this is fucking awesome. They cut that. The first line that McLemore sings in the song is, walk into the club like, what up, I got a big cock. Which is slang term for being, you know, confident. You know, hey, you know, I know what I got, you know.
1: You got big dick energy.
0: Right, exactly. The epitome of big dick energy. And you can't portray that in a kid's song. So this is what we get from Kids Bop.
2: Rolling in super deep, head into the mezzanine. Dressed in all pink, set my gator shoes. Those are green, draped in the leopard print. Girl standing next to me, probably should've washed it. Smells like my baseball cleats. But hey, it was ninety-nine cents.
0: Yeah, yeah. Smells like my baseball cleats. <laughs> What's up?
1: I got a hit song, and the thing is, like, I guess it—the fact that this exists at all is egregious. But if you're going to alter the lyrics... Do um, a way that makes fucking you sense. You should at least make sure that you preserve... Yeah, it makes sense, but like, the the songwriter and writer at all in me is saying, no, you need to pre- at least preserve the rhyme scheme. Because if you're going to change <laughs> what's up, I got a big cock, what's up, I got a hit song, That's then clear. you have to also change the following line to, to, to still rhyme. Or you need to find something that rhymes with big cock that is not big cock if you're trying to sanitize it for kids. So the next line not only makes sense, but still preserves the rhyme scheme. You can't just... Can you imagine being in the writer's room for this?
0: Can you imagine being in the writer's room for this?
1: I would probably open my wrists. And I'm not trying to make light of self-harm, but for God's sake, I just, I can't even imagine being tasked with trying to come up with this.
0: Something so inane, it's like alright, he's talking about his big cock, but we can't see that with a 12-year-old. So... Give me some ideas. Um,
1: What's up? I got a blue sock. Too close, too close. What's Can't up? I really like rock.
0: <laughs> no. There's a lot of ways they could have gone with that that didn't end up being done. Um, but then you got like... God, there's so many ways we can go with this conversation. There's so many inappropriate songs. I just pulled a list of the ones that you know I recognized and that I knew enough context about. Uh, that I could kind of throw up here. And one of the most, I'll give you a little backstory about this next song. I used to live in, in Portland, Oregon, or a suburb of Portland, uh, for a number of years. Chased a girl down there. Didn't end up going well. Whatever. That is neither here nor there. The radio station down there had a day where they were doing donations for a charity. If you donated to this charity, you called up the radio station, they would literally play anything you wanted to hear. Um... And this is a rock station, so you could call up and say, I want to hear Abba's Dancing Queen. I'll give you $100. Why you'd call a rock station to hear Dancing Queen, I don't know, but they'd do it. Whatever you want to hear for charity, you pay, you get to hear. And my favorite, favorite of all time of that, and I listened to a couple years' worth of that when I was living down there, my absolute favorite of that was, um, here's $100. I think it was like, a, it might have been like a $1,000. It was, it was a big donation. And they're like, well, what do you want to hear? And they're like, I want to hear you snap the CD in half for Hinder's Lips of an Angel. Which, if you've not heard the Hinder's Lips of an Angel, it sounds like this. I
1: hate that song. That is the only appropriate reaction to that song. That is one of the worst hit songs ever recorded, and I... There have been so many. But that not song a song not musically shitty. It's not, they're not, they're a not a bad, bad band. band. They play, but, Like, the song is just a fucking steaming coiled turd. Not just lyrically and musically, but conceptually. It's just... I mean, <laughs> the best thing I can say about it is these guys clearly know how to play, but they're using their powers for evil.
0: I agree Now and, and the context of that song Is About a guy who's cheating on his girl With this woman who has the lips of an angel Which you can It's either listening to him talking Or listen to her talking Or she's doing something else with those lips But Would you immediately think Hey this could be a radio friendly kids hit Because they did it And it sounds like this It's really
2: good we <laughs>
0: That's enough of that. They didn't change enough about that song, honestly. Jesus Christ. No, they didn't. Especially, okay.
1: like you just said while we were listening to that, uh, the fact that they actually have a guy who kind of sounds like the singer from Hinder, better, actually, yeah. if I'm being <laughs> truly honest, uh, <laughs> singing this song with a bunch of kids chiming in the background, the totes and apropes of that whole thing is just deeply uncomfortable.
0: They're singing about cheating. He's talking
1: about, his girls he's talking about cheating room. on his girl. And he's backed up by this, like, cherubic choir of children. The, the, the levels of, of bullshit oh. inherent to that idea.
0: Yeah. Again, I'd like to, uh. I'd like to know who the, 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 the the thought process that goes into selecting these songs. Do they just go, this is popular on the radio right now, we need to do this? Uh, because that... That has to be it. I mean, because in that same vein, Ariana Grande... Thank you, next.
2: With my
0: Ariana Grande was popularized for her, uh, or not popularized because of, but was made more notable because of her uh, On-again, off-again relationship with Pete Davidson of Saturday Night Live fame. We both are big fans of Pete yep. Davidson. Talk about Love your Pete. big dick energy. I think the uh, whole last term was coined to describe that dude. Right, because that dude pulled his tail And as an, an aside, no the way that I responded to that,
1: deal. the way that Pete responded to that was fucking brilliant. He did a stand-up special that you can find on uh, Netflix. And uh, his whole thing about uh, her making allusions... Uh, to his uh, his anatomy, was he said, nah, you've seen me, I'm, I'm, I'm well above six feet, I'm a lanky dude, but Ariana, she's like, you know, four foot nine, or whatever it is. And he said, uh, for her to talk about how big my dick is, uh, it's not, she's just a really small person. But the genius of what she did was she basically set up every other woman I date for the rest of my life for disappointment. So, point Ariana for that one. <laughs>
0: I never However, thought she's like not that. the only
1: one who said it So yeah, apparently we all know more about Pete Davidson's dick than we really wanted to
0: Well yeah, I mean, he dated Kim Kardashian And who else did he date? There was another couple famous really. uh, Who hasn't he dated? It's like a whole trope Yeah, it really is um, But Thank you next, uh, done by Kids Bob I about nothing I met someone
2: else We haven't better discussions I know
1: Now, I, I just watched the actual official video for this, and I didn't realize they actually made videos until today years old. But <laughs> there's 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 a weird undercurrent to this where it's like, hey, you know what? If the kids that are dancing around in their sort of like coordinated outfits and doing the singing, if they're doing their own dancing and singing, these kids have talent. I mean, there's no doubt that these are very young entertainers. These are kids who can sing. They can dance. Um, they're energetic on screen. They're just... Their faces are lit up, but there's a real weird sort of like Dance Moms, Toddlers, and Tiaras <laughs> shit that's going on right. with this, too. Right, like, right. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. It's just something it, about it, this is so unsettling.
0: It reminds me of, there's this show that my little sister Lindsay watched on uh, Nickelodeon a long time ago called Kids Incorporated. And it was one of those... I remember that show. Yeah, where it was like fake staged melodrama, and then... They do like a cover number and then like more fake stage melodrama than another cover number, whatever. It reminds me a lot of that. And the thing with with this kid's bot, I mean, like you said, I didn't realize they had real videos and I felt just creepy watching it. Um, yeah. So I don't recommend it. I don't to up on a watch list. It, so yeah, I'm going to end up on a nope. fucking FBI list not. somewhere, but. Um, YouTube's going to think some really weird shit. My YouTube algorithm's going to be fucked for, like, a while now. That's that.
1: exactly it, I man. I'm trying to watch these in a different browser that's not logged into my actual YouTube account because I watch a shitload of YouTube on the app on my TV, and I don't want it to start... It's bad enough, like, oh, because the TV, TV in now. the living room is actually my old TV, and it's a smart TV. You know, when my nephew's kid comes <laughs> over, they put Cocomelon and fucking Baby Bum and shit on there, and occasionally I'll still get that, and I have to actually go through and manually select the... Uh, the thing on the, the, the app that they have on the TV like don't recommend this video, I don't like this video, don't recommend this channel uh, <laughs> I, I kind of have to go through and do that. So the YouTube algorithm must think I'm like multiple personality disorder or something because well you loved this coconut bullshit two days ago, you could watch like six of these. Well yeah but it wasn't me, it was just a, a TV that happened to be logged into my account in the other room
0: So I mean and thank you next is basically Ariana Grande's response to Dayton P. Davidson, Dayton some of our other exes the general gist of that song is, I'm done with you, moving on to the next. It's pretty yep. cut and dry. Uh, they do sanitize that quite a bit for the kids' Bob version, which they absolutely should. They shouldn't have made it a song, but if they're going to do it, they got to sanitize that a bit. The next absolutely. one that I thought is kind of the same vein. is You've got an artist that I respect. I'm not a huge fan of their music, but I respect them immensely. Pink pink's got a song called so what which sounds like this well, the waiter just- Like, we've all heard that song. That song made the rounds quite a while back. It's another breakup anthem. Right. Uh, Kids bop. And again, they've got an actual music video for this one. I'll send it to you
1: Now, the thing that strikes me about this one is, looking at this video, these kids are dancing around on a boat, they're playing around on the surf, this clearly was an excuse to get a bunch of kids out to have a nice beach day, and in doing that, okay, fine, you know, that's cool, I guess, but the, the the interpretation that they have, the actual dramatic interpretation of the video, of just dancing around on a boat and splashing around on the beach, fundamentally misunderstands what the song is about.
0: It's about revenge.
1: It's, it's not a living it's not a life... joyful, happy, yeah, upbeat no, it's song. Angry. I mean, despite the fact that, that Alicia Moore in the original version was talking about, I'm having more fun, these kids would jump around pumping their fists, screaming, I'm having more fun. And they do, to their credit, look like they're having a blast shooting this video, but it's not what the song is about, man. I mean, Jesus. It's, it's just so
0: wrong on so many levels. Yeah, because the first verse of Pink's version of it says... uh I guess I just lost my husband, I don't know where he went, so I'm going to drink my money, I'm not going to pay his rent. I got a brand new attitude, I'm going to wear it tonight. I want to get in trouble, I want to start a fight. They changed some of that, but they did keep the kids blabbing on about wanting to start a fight and to start a fight. And um, it's all about this woman going off and after a shitty, reven- or make a, or a shitty relationship, going out and having revenge sex, basically. Having living her best life in wake of whatever the hell she went through, Uh, I guess I'll go sit with the drum boy. At least he knows how to hit. It's it's again, it's inappropriate and and not necessarily. It's not. There's nothing overtly sexual about this song. I mean, there could be. There definitely easily could be. Well,
1: if you're going to record anything, if you're an artist who's going to record a song about, you know, going out and getting drunk and getting laid, having revenge sex, whatever it is. There's ways, if you're a clever enough wordsmith, to allude to that while still being ostensibly radio-friendly because the radio doesn't censor concepts. They just, they're basic. They censor words. If you drop an F-bomb on the air, the FCC is going to be doing something with some fines and you're going to get in trouble for that. But, you know, you can allude to things or use slang or use uh, allegory or all that kind of stuff. And, And so that's the funniest thing to me when I talk about this stuff is, like everything else, they're more concerned that a kid might hear you say... Fuck On the radio (laughs) That they don't bother Like actually Doing anything To recontextualize The undercurrent Of the concepts Which I guess Makes a little bit of sense Because I would imagine That in order to do these You have to Because Weird Al As we discussed In our Weird Al episode Gets permission From the artists To do parody versions Of their songs Right He doesn't have to No
0: parody and satire Are
1: covered under The fair use protections Under the Yeah under the, the Copyright clauses Um, these aren't parodies, they're reinterpretations, they're basically covers, and I imagine if you're releasing these for commercial use, you have to license them, you have to actually get permission to do that from the artist, so I I imagine to most of these artists, well, it's a harmless thing, it's for kids, it's another revenue stream, I can license this for X amount of dollars and whatever else, Um, and some people, I imagine, have probably said no, like people said no to Weird Al, about no, you know, I have some integrity with my work, and I, I like to preserve things in the original form, and I don't want somebody just out there doing whatever version of the song, and if they know anything about kids Bop, they're going to change things about it. It's not really going to be my song anymore. It's going to be, you know, 70 or 80% of it with some changes and whatever else. Right. But just the whole concept of this, I get why they did it, 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 but it just, I don't know, man. It doesn't, It
0: nothing about this makes any sense. I get why they did it, but I really wish they wouldn't have it. From an article that I found, it's talking about a 2017 study on censorship in kids' bop, found that replacing words and phrases in songs does not disassociate the original in the minds of young listeners who have heard the uncensored song, and that, quote, repackaging adult music as kids' music, unquote, does not remove the adult themes even when words or phrases are substituted. Christopher Bell, an associate professor of media studies at the University of Colorado, has called kids' bop, quote, an abomination, end quote. Because it censors language but not content. Altering specific uh-huh. words without changing or obscuring the underlying tone or meaning. He explained, quote, I don't need a sanitized version of Despacito. I need eight year olds not <laughs> to be singing Despacito. Because that song is super dirty, and Kids Bop doesn't always make that distinction. And and I'm not True. I'm not a fan of censorship. I never have been. I never will be. That's always been kind of where I'm at with it. But at the same token, I get it. In this particular regard, I get it. These... And, and it's not necessarily a thing that these should be censored, but I kind of agree with them. It's like, these should not exist.
1: Yeah. You know? And I kind of see both sides of it, because, I mean, it's one thing to, to, to shield kids from concept. That's why every every piece of entertainment that you can watch on TV comes with a content warning. You know, sexual language or adult themes or violence or whatever else it is that they put the the ratings information up before every piece of thing you can watch on DVD or streaming or whatever it is. I get that, but, like, I don't know. I think censoring the words without changing the context or content is pretty bizarre. Right. But I think it also kind of falls into that that weird uh, cultural crack of the same reason why conservatives are ignoring the train derailments and the down to chinese spy balloon and all the actual real problems that are happening in society to focus on things like hey we got to go to the library and put a bullet in the head of drag queen story hour they're focused on the wrong shit they're they're, they're talking about the wrong things and when they refuse to censure or actually submit like a, a guy who has, like, a legitimate sex trafficking claim against him, like Matt Gates, because he's a congressman, but they're going to go after Trixie Mattel for reading a book to a kid? I just... I can't make the connection between... These are real problems. And these are made-up problems in your head because you're falling into that won't-somebody-think-of-the-children trap when, like you said earlier, you need to be of a certain emotional intelligence level to be able to process this content on a level in which it was intended to be understood. Right. So... Changing the words without changing the content, but the kids wouldn't necessarily be able to grasp the How many people have you seen on Facebook that are like, I was, again, today years old, before I realized, oh, that's what that song was about that I loved when I was a kid. That's what that that, that illusion in this movie, that's what that phrase meant. I didn't realize it until I was an adult and had time to to, to look back and think about what that actually meant.
0: I've I've got a direct corollary for that. I remember I used to like to take uh, tapes. Those are those things that you know. Listen to music on before CDs, kids. But uh, oh yeah, I used to listen to tapes and, and I would take in a notebook and write down lyrics because I've always been kind of interested in song lyrics. And as a lyricist now, it kind yeah. of makes sense. But I didn't know that back then was what I was doing. But uh, one of the bands Laying I listened to for the future endeavors, right? Uh, Beastie Boys, "Fight for Your Right." I loved that song when it came out. I was a little young so then, to understand a lot of the concepts in it. And I remember specifically, there's a line in the song. You gotta
2: fight
0: for your right. That line, I had no idea what that was. I had no context for what a porno mag was, and so I remember distinctly writing that out as, my mom threw away my best torn up rag, because that's what I heard. Well, to be fair, the Beastie Boys
1: weren't exactly kings of enunciation.
0: (laughs) No, but, you see, I didn't have any context for the word porno. I was young enough that I didn't know what porno was, So, so porno mag didn't make sense to my little brain torn-up rag was the closest I could get as association. So, uh, I get what they're saying with a lot of this, is there's context that these kids just do not have access to. Which that they should itself, not have you, access
1: to. If they had sung about a torn-up rag, that would have also been something else. Mm. But, I mean, again, your brain contextualizes these things in the way that it understands
0: them. Speaking of sexual content that shouldn't be put into the ear balls of kids... Hi. Britney Spears you
2: know
0: Britney has been in the news a lot lately, uh, for good or for bad. Um, kids Bop did a pair of Britney songs that uh, probably shouldn't have been boppified. First and foremost <laughs> we've got Toxic And it's it's about Relationship that's just no good It's toxic It's it's The lyrics to Toxic are just They're, they're about a woman Getting into a relationship she knows is no good for With a taste of your lips yeah. I'm on a ride You're toxic I'm slipping under With a taste of a Poison paradise I'm addicted to you Don't you know that you're toxic And it's just about this woman becoming overwhelmed and and just taken under by this relationship that she should not be in. And, um, intoxicate me now with your loving. I think I'm ready now. I think I'm ready now. Yeah. Um, so of course Kids Bob did a version. So that shouldn't be a kid's song. I don't think I really need to explain why that one shouldn't be. But in addition to that, they hit Miss Spears again with, from her little music video when she was uh, 18 years old, whatever it was she was,
1: Uh uh, in
0: her baby girl, school girl outfit. And uh, uh, we all know what that sounds like. But in case you need a refresher course.
2: I think I did it again. We're more than just friends. Oh, baby, it might seem like the crush, but it doesn't mean that I'm serious.
0: Now, of course, Kids Bob did their own version of that, too.
1: Why is it that the person singing sounds older than Britney did?
0: And she does, and I don't know if I want kids <laughs> listening to a song and singing a song and emulating a song that the entire course is I'm not that innocent. Jesus Christ, people. Jesus Christ. Again, I'm not a prude by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but some shit... I don't know, just... The thing that's floating through my head right now that I think is not really
1: germane to the discussion, but people don't think about this. There's a whole shadow industry of musicians and singers whose job it is to do shit like this, to recreate these songs, to make the sanitized versions of these songs for kids, to record the live band without vocals versions of songs for karaoke. This music has to come from somewhere. And whether it's one guy who's doing stuff on a a MIDI deck or whether it's an actual live band that comes in and turns in an eight-hour shift... In a studio, playing just backing tracks of popular songs. It's just, I mean, it's got to be the, the the sort of musical equivalent of what I do. I mean, as a kid, I thought I'd be a playwright or a screenwriter or a novelist, and now I write advertising because there's money in it. Um, so the, this weird intersection of art and commerce, where you probably went to New York or LA to try and be a musician, and maybe the luck didn't come your way, and the the, the work that you could find was, hey. Maybe I'm not a professional musician that goes on tour and backs up an artist or joined a band that had a hit and gets to go out and play clubs or anything like that. but I do work pretty steadily. Um, I go into the studio and I record these backing tracks for Kids Bop and for <laughs> Sound Choice Karaoke and all this. I mean, that's, that's you do what you can to make money, and as uh, much in a capitalist dystopia, to monetize your skill sets so that you can feed and clothe and house yourself. But there you go. You got to feel dirty after a while.
0: Now, there's a couple that uh, we're not going to actually dig into too deeply. Uh, I'm just going to play you the Kids Bop versions just because they're sheerly ridiculous. And uh, we'll see. I'm just going to play them. I'm just going to play them. No context given since they didn't give us any.
2: Not a moment too soon. you've right. forgiven me. Now I sit back and wait till you say you're sorry. you can call me in. when you want call me when
0: So, here we go. Now, those are just some, I don't want to say fun snippets. Those are some interesting snippets. Again, all stuff that are just contextual nightmares for uh, kids' songs. And and again, I have to state for the record that these are just songs that I have a passing familiarity with. There were so many on this list that I had no idea what they were. I'm not, I'm not a huge Cardi B fan. I'm not a huge Kesha fan. I'm not a huge... Uh, Rihanna fan, uh, Beyonce, Destiny's Child, all these bands that I'm not really—I mean, I know of, but I don't know, so I have—I have no context personally for their music, so I couldn't say yay or nay. So these are just the ones that I have uh, kind of ready experience with. But another interesting one uh, popped up: Bowling for Soup. I followed Jared Reddick on uh, on TikTok. He's he's great. He's fantastic. And people do covers of uh, 1985 on TikTok all the time. There was a fantastic one who did a, a, a 2005, which was an updated version of it, and changed the lyrics to, to be more a decade farther in the future. And it was really good. And they, they did a stitch with Jarrett, and he was like, yeah, that's great. And uh,
1: here's something I didn't know until recently. I, I follow a lot of creators on TikTok, and one of them is like, cover songs you didn't know were cover songs. The Bowling for Soup 1985 was a cover. It was originally done by a band called SR71, which also was a successful like, pop punk band hmm. um, in the mid 90s and, and late 90s. And, and uh, they actually wrote and recorded that song um, a year before Bowling for Soup got a hold of it. But the Bowling for Soup version is the one that blew up. Where's
2: a fairy tale? Where's her dream? Where's the quarterback from her high school football team? Where's her fairy tale? Where's her dream? How many times will she ask her self what happened to me? Ask her, self what happened. Robber, bro.
0: When Bruce I had no idea. That's fucking bonkers. I didn't know that. Well, I guess I can put down that I was officially today years old when I found out that 1985 was a cover. But I mean, of course, yeah, uh, Bowling for Soup's version is way more popular, got more and more traction, got more and more radio play. But speaking of versions I've never heard of until now, here's the Kids Bob version. I don't think I want kids singing about their mother having to take Prozac and uh, wanting to shake her ass on the hood of White Snake's car. Especially you know? when
1: most of these kids weren't even alive when 1985 happened.
0: Right. They're singing about Bruce Springsteen and Madonna or you know, Waiting Before Nirvana, YouTube Blondie. They don't... They're, they're words that don't have context for no, 12-year-olds. not for them. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense, but. So not a whole lot to say about that one. That's just a, a strange one for me. And like I said, I follow Jared Reddick on, on TikTok. He's hilarious to me. Uh, In the End by Linkin Park, I wanted to mention. Uh, Linkin Park is dark. Their, their lyrics yeah. are depressing. Chester notoriously was dealing with a lot of um, really dark emotions. Um, really yeah. heavy shit, and that's what a lot of Linkin Park they was eventually about. eventually lost to. Right. Emo-type music. It, and emotional is what it, emo stands for. And and you could say that uh, Linkin Park was an emo, but they were definitely in that emo-adjacent area. One thing,
2: I don't know why it doesn't even how hard you try. Keep that in mind. I designed this rhyme to remind myself how I tried, I tried so hard. In spite of the way you were mocking me, acting like I was part of your property. Remembering all the times you fought with me, I'm surprised they got so. so Things aren't the way they were before. You wouldn't even recognize me anymore. Not that you knew me back then, but it all comes back to me. In the
0: I've come so far and lost it all, but in the end, it never really mattered. I, or, or whatever, you know the lyrics I'm, I'm, I played a song, I the sample for it just now uh, it, yeah, it, My
1: band covers the song, I know the lyrics really well
0: Dark, dreary, depressing I don't want a jazzed up version of that done by ten year olds I don't <laughs> No So let's hear what that sounds like
2: Trying to hold on, didn't even know I wasted it all just to watch you watch go A memory of time I tried so hard and got so far. In the end, it doesn't even matter. I've had to fall to lose it In the end, it doesn't even
0: matter. Yeah, this song is about suicide, ostensibly. If you think about it, it's, it's giving up. It's surrendering to the darkness. It's giving up. In the end, it doesn't even matter, you know. And w- <sighs> but
1: the really crazy thing is when you get to the chorus, all the kids are singing Chester's parts, yeah. and they're singing it about an octave down from where it actually is. I know that because those are the parts that I sing in my own band, and they're they're not like the most challenging thing I sing, but they're definitely up there. So it's spooky for these ten uh, year olds whose voices haven't even dropped yet for them to be singing it in a register lower than what I sing it in. And I'm pushing fifty years old. That's uh, that seems sp- a little bit uh, silly. Spooky. And they, they, they also fucked up the keys part, which I think is crazy, because I also play that in my band, and I know how it goes. And the rhythm of the actual, uh, the rapping part is, uh, it's completely off. I mean, it's
0: just, they're not
1: even doing it well. Not only does it not need to exist, but they're doing it poorly.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm not here to, to, I mean, yes, I am here to judge, but I, uh, it's, it's, I don't know, man. So yeah, we got a couple more to talk about. These two are... The last one is one of the most egregious examples. So we're saving that for last. We're absolutely saving the best for last on this. And best is in heavy, heavy quotation marks. Um, because <laughs> it is by far one of the most egregious, horrible things I've ever heard. I didn't even think it was existing. There's a little tease for you. The Next to last one I want to talk about is by a band who I ex- admittedly used to listen to. I still occasionally, they pop up, and I won't turn them off. But uh, the band catches a lot of shit, and they absolutely should. Uh, they can be kind of jokey. Uh, one note. Um, and, of course, I'm talking about the Black Eyed Peas. They released a song off of their Elefunk album that you can't even find on Spotify anymore. They have I removed so. it because... And I'm going to preface this with me saying this is the song, not me. I do not in any way like using this word. Um, they call it the R word anymore. But for the sake of discussion, the song is called Let's Get Retarded.
2: Everybody, yeah. everybody, yeah. Let's get into it. Yeah. Get get retarded.
0: And in this case, they're not talking about mentally handicapped. They're talking about getting bombed in a club. Let's get stupid. Let's get drunk. Let's get faded. Let's get whatever it is and just have a good time. Lose yourself to the music. And I think that was even too much for them at one point because to get that song even close to radio friendly, they had to change the song to Let's Get It Started
2: get let's get it, started. Get it, started. Get it started.
0: started let's get it started uh, let's get it started
1: which which is what it should have been to begin with if right. really being responsible about it
0: right there's no
1: reason because at the time when they released that song yeah. we were well past the threshold of when that was obviously offensive
0: right there's no real socially acceptable way that this was like oh it's just a product of a son. no no, it's just offensive no. and stupid. So they had to edit themselves to get that song, and of course, now uh, with a little digging, I was able to find a sample of "Let's Get Retarded." It's about losing yourself, losing control, getting wild in a club, getting stupid, getting crazy, uh, which are all things you want ten-year-olds to sing about. So here's a version of Kids Bob doing. Obviously, let's get it started.
2: Everybody, everybody, getting.
0: So I really didn't feel too much of a need to really dive too deep into this other than to poke fun at the Black Eyed Peas because even they themselves had to self-edit with this song because why in the hell would you write a song called that? Why would you write that? It's insensitive, you pricks. Come on, be better, do better. Do better. So the last one that I want to talk about, I know we've kind of ran long. That seems to be a, a motif for us. But this last one, I didn't know it existed. I had finalized the list. I had sent you the list of the songs that I was looking into to researching. It was done. And as I'm getting ready to get off the, the sofa and turn off YouTube, because my brain, like that old Farsight cartoon, it's like, no, teacher, I need to get up. My brain is full. It was just, <laughs> it was just too much. Um, my wife's like, Did you know they did this? And I looked at her and I'm like, Shut up. No, they didn't. <laughs> and she's like, Look it up. The song I'm referring to, and again, this is a self-edit for the radio. The original version of this song, by a, a troublesome individual named CeeLo Green, is called Fuck You. <laughs>
1: who himself is problematic these days because he's been incredibly accused of sexual assault so many times that
0: there's a reason you haven't heard anything from him in several years. Right. Uh, CeeLo Green, of course, of Gnarls Barkley fame as well. But uh, And also uh, Goody Mob,
1: very early, back in the day.
0: And I want to say he was part of the Gorillas too, wasn't he? Ah, uh, Maybe. M- might have been. But uh, he wrote a song called Fuck You, which I've heard. I knew that was a song. I did also know that they did a cover of it for the radio because you're not going to get away with a song called Fuck You on the radio. It's just not going to happen. I tried that. And I wrote a song called Fuck You, which is how I knew there was a song called Fuck <laughs> You because I did some research on that. I'm like, okay, mine's different enough and, and, and my version of Fuck You was nothing anywhere similar to that. Um,
1: Lily Allen also has a song called Fuck You, which is way better than CeeLo Green's version, I, I think, because it sort of takes on um, hatred and attacks bigots. Uh, and and that's who she's saying "fuck you" to in her song, and that's fantastic. Perfect. I love that tune. Perfect. But yeah, it's 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 certainly not something that um, you know, it's it's a thematic idea in this sort of divided age where where certain people just have really egregious, horrible views, and just to kind of say "fuck you" and and she did it, you did it, CeeLo Green did it. I mean, it's a lot of people kind of need to get a finger waved in their face sometimes.
0: And it's a very angry, very pointed song about this dude who's out of a relationship. He doesn't want anything to do with it. And he's just tell her to fuck off and, and leave him alone and fuck you. And and, and uh, they changed it for the radio and called it Forget You, which softens it a little bit. It's a little less hateful. But it's still, again, sure. as we talked about, context is key. It's the same context. <laughs> I'm like, forget you, and forget you too, or, and whatever else. and Let's look up the lyrics real quick, just so we have, again, context is key. I see you driving around town with the girl I love, and I'm like, fuck you. I guess the change in my pocket wasn't enough. I'm like, fuck you, and fuck her too. Said if I was richer, I'd still be with you. Now ain't that some shit? And although there's pain in my chest, I still wish you the best with a fuck you. Okay. They just cleaned it up to forget you, so they still call it F.U. Is what they call it on the radio. Really clever, popular, you know. Uh, I see you driving around town with the girl I love, and I'm like, forget you. I guess the change in my pocket wasn't enough. Forget you, and forget her too. So it softens the message quite a bit. Um... They edit out all the swear words Of course you want to make it radio friendly But nothing about this song In my mind And of course my mind has been thoroughly blown by this entire topic uh, Would limit would itself <laughs> to Hey let's have Ten year olds singing it So of course they did This is Kids Bop's version of Forget You Yeah
2: I'm sorry I can't afford a Ferrari But that don't mean I can't get you there uh, I guess he's the next box. And I'm more sorry For mm. the way you play your game well.
0: Yeah, that's Fucking awful uh, That should not exist That whole song is about no. This dude bitching about the fact that his woman Left him because he wasn't Rich enough. He didn't have a Ferrari. He didn't have the money and so he's just bitter, and he's like, yeah, oh, fuck you, and fuck you too, and, and this, that, and the other thing. Or forget you, and forget her too. But, you want 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, whatever it is, singing about, you know, gold diggers? I mean, that's what I this mean, is about. They
1: haven't done, as far as I know, they haven't really done a version of the Kanye song that addresses the same topic.
0: Uh, no, not yet. And now that he's out Give of the... Time. Now that he's doing what he's doing in the mainstream media, he probably won't, but... Uh, it's troubling. And once again, and and the thing I want to fall back on for this entire discussion is, again, I'm not a censorship advocate by any stretch of the imagination. If you've ever listened to any of the songs that I've written, any of the songs that I sing, any of the songs that I listen to in in potentially mixed company that I probably shouldn't be, uh, I'm not a big fan of censorship. Uh, I don't like that kind of editorial decision being made for me. Uh, I like being able to parse out what I'm listening to, and if I don't understand it, listening to it until I do, or finding out what it is that intrigues me about it and what it is. I like being able to make those decisions for myself. But I give what, I'm a grown-up. I get to. Yeah. I'm allowed yep. to. Again, when I was 10 years old, I didn't know what a porno mag was. So my brain self-edited. But this is, this is beyond that. This is context. And we're,
1: musical censorship isn't a new thing. I mean, very no. famously, in the late 60s, uh, on the Ed Sullivan Show, which is one of the most popular variety shows in the country, um, when rock and roll was first starting to really explore adult themes beyond Bobby Socks and Poodle Skirts, um, <laughs> there were two famous instances where Ed Sullivan asked a very famous late 60s rock artist to censor their lyrics, and one of them was the Rolling Stones, who were invited on the show, and they were set to play Let's Spend the Night Together, which obviously has a very strong sexual undercurrent, especially Mick Jagger is singing it. Right. Um, and Ed Sullivan gave them the ultimatum of either the song goes or I go, and it was their big hit at the moment, and he forced them to censor the song to Let's Spend Some Time Together. And if you watch that performance, Mick Jagger is just obviously really pissed off. He's rolling his eyes and smirking at the camera the whole time. And uh, But he went with it even though it was an artistic compromise that he obviously wasn't very on board with. And then a little later on, as dramatized in the uh, the, the biopic for The Doors, uh, starring Jim Morrison, uh, very famously, um, Ed Sullivan also asked them to change the lyrics to uh, Light My Fire, Girl We Couldn't Get Much Higher, uh, which, you know, I mean, could be ostensibly sort of seen as a, um, um, you know, maybe just a uh, an emotional thing, but of course it is the late 60s and the uh, everybody was using drugs, particularly the musicians, especially the ones that were kind of, kind of in the, the psychedelic rock genre that The Doors very famously occupied. And um, Jim Morrison agreed to change the lyrics and then just pulled a little bait and switch on Ed Sullivan and sang, Girl, you couldn't get much higher on the air anyway. So there's always been this sort of like the taste makers of pop culture trying to say, Hey, you can't say that on TV. You can't sing that on the radio. You got to change that. And sort of like dumbing down or censoring themes or lyrics that, that people might find objectionable, but this just takes it to an extreme that did not need to exist. Yeah. There's plenty of kids' music out there. There's plenty of music that's already written for the uh, um, the point of being consumed by, by family audiences or by kids. And like you said when you talked about that study earlier, if, if the kids, I've heard the song, the original version of it, enough to be familiar with it, which is the only reason that the Kids Bop dumbed-down version would exist to begin with, to give them a version of a song they already ostensibly like. Um, it doesn't really matter that they, they, they've already kind of cut the knees off from underneath the whole reason they're doing it. They defeated the purpose for why right. it exists yeah. in the first place.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, the entire reason we had like back in the day our DJ Jazzy Jeff for the Fresh Prince things like that. You had a rapper that wasn't rapping about bitches and cars and drugs and guns and. Everything like that. Parents just don't understand. Parents just don't understand. Or Nightmare on My Street. Or, or he was truly singing about dancing and, and girls, but at a very young age and not, not the same kind of context. I mean, he did get a bit more mature as he grew older with Miami and things like that. But I mean, Will Smith ostensibly was, uh, clean rap. And yeah, he was uh, what is it? Notoriously, Eminem said Will Smith don't got a cuss. In his raps to sell records, but fuck him and fuck you, or, but I do, so fuck him and fuck you too. Um, there is music out there available for kids that is more age-appropriate, that is more context-appropriate. It's not going to be something that they're going to have immediate access to all the time, like on a radio station. But if you're listening on the radio, you're going to get a sanitized version of it one degree or another. But still, in yeah. the, the fact of the matter is is you need to be there as a parent to kind of explain context to kids, especially if it's like, oh, I love that song, and it's like, well, you shouldn't, because this is what that song is about. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Heartbreak or loss or, you know, uh, sex. I mean, I'm not shy about, you know, telling my kids about, you know, sex or or intimacy or love or or adult topics, but I want to couch that in an educational vein. I want to couch that in... Let's talk about why it exists. Let's talk about what it is, not just throwing them out there to the wolves and having them find it on their own. Lord knows we've got enough Google searches under our belt to realize that's a bad idea. But right, I think I, I really dislike the fact that I found a subject that almost makes me feel like I'm siding with censors because I'm not. I am not a fan of censorship. I just don't think this should exist in the first place. Uh, But I'm definitely curious as to uh, what you, dear listener, have thought about this. Did you know? Did you know? Did you know Kids Bop was a thing? I'm sure you did, but did you know it got this deep? Did you know it got this dirty? Because now you can't unknow. You're like me. Yeah. You can't go back. You were today years old, and now you're forever marked. But uh, we want to know what are your opinions about Kids Bop? Are you for it? Are you against it? Do you see the benefit? Do you see the drawback? We want to know what you're talking about. We want to know your thought process on this. So and you can reach us a couple of different ways. Hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Fuel Your Fandom. Uh, drop us an email at fuelyourfandom at gmail.com.
1: Or you can hit us up at the backup Gmail address at fyftalentbooking at gmail.com, on Twitter at at your on Instagram at at atfuelyourfandom, and, of course, anywhere you can buy, sell, barter, trade, or draw blood for podcasts, you're going to find us there.
0: Absolutely. And just let us know what you think. This is a topic that, again, I didn't think I was going to do this topic. This was kind of spur of the moment when I remembered that that stupid Maddie B. Raps version of... uh, I'm sorry, Miss Jackson existed because I was listening to some kind of radio article or radio commentator talking about oh how it was written for his girlfriend at the time, Erica Badu, talking basically to her mother and uh, and their breakup basically, and and it just boggled me that there'd be a kid singing about that, and of course that went down the entire rabbit hole. But um, yeah, I think I can officially wipe my hands of Kids Bob now, but I want to know. Uh, What y'all think. And and I want to thank you guys all for listening to another winding, rambling, weirdly musical filled episode of the Feel Your Fandom podcast. And please do remember that everything is fandom, and fandom is everything. Take care.
1: Oh my god, these are awful. I know. I hate you forever. (laughs) God damn it. Yeah, it's gonna be like that today.